I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, all you beautiful people out there in the world of podcasting. Uh, Jeremy here from Sick Boy Podcast. And before we throw it to today's fascinating episode, continuing along that that Vancouver journey we were just on, uh, I want to make a a quick little announcement. An announcement specifically about a uh, contest that we have going on. So we know that there's a lot of you out there that listen that are on the social medias. You know, we hear from you on Facebook and uh, we get your shout outs on Twitter and we see all of you leaving those comments and, and checking out our stories on Instagram. And actually on Instagram, we're about to hit this milestone. We are, we're like just a few people away from 10,000 followers. And so to celebrate, we decided to throw a little Instagram competition Competition? No, it's a contest. I mean, no one's competing, really, for anything. The contest, the way it goes is uh, you could win two free lifetime passes to all Sick Boy live shows. That's kind of cool. Unifriend can come to any and all of our shows for free if we're doing it in your city or if you happen to be in the same place as us. And you also could win a piece of Sick Boy merch. And the way to do this is really easy. You just go to the post. Uh, It's the most recent post on there or one of the more recent ones, black and white photo done by the beautiful Scott Munn. It's me and the guys, uh, Brian and Taylor, both are there. And on that photo, you just got to tag a friend. Make sure you and that friend are following Sick Boy Podcast. And the more you comment, the greater your chances are of winning. So pop on over there. We're going to announce the winners shortly after we hit the 10K mark. And uh, yeah, we're really excited. Thank you all so much for all the, any and all of the support that you've showed over the last three years. This is this has been a real treat, and uh, it really means a lot. So we love each and every one of you. Pop on over to our Instagram, check out the silly shit we're throwing up on there, and well, let's not leave it any further. I hope you enjoy this week's episode, and we'll see you on the other side. Just talking about how people recognize Donovan, you can cut all this out. Donovan, take all that out. All of this out. Uh, You know what, though, Donovan? Don't take this out. I've got an idea. Let's dive right into it. I'm really excited because this is our last, this is technically our last day of, like, recording episodes in the studio here in Vancouver. Yeah, it is. And uh, we are going to, I think, I could be totally wrong here, but I'm pretty sure we're going to be doing a round two of talking about some hashtag pussy problems, which we did last time we were in Vancouver. I don't know if you can come out of the gate with that. I'm, go- I'm coming on strong. I'm coming on strong. I'm going pu- to throw it out there. Uh, but I, I, I know that there's a very specific 
thing that we're talking about, which is PVD. PVD. That's right. Should Michelle, I break that down? What the fuck is PVD? <laughs> Actually, what what is what does PVD stand for? PVD stands for provoked vestibulodynia. Provoked vestibulodynia. Yeah. That is not I provoked was, like you did it or some like, <laughs> someone something did it. Oh, something no. did the provoking of the Vestibulodynia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's two types of vestibulodynia. There's provoked and there's unprovoked. And it's probably easier to start with like the bigger umbrella term for it, which is vulvodynia, which you... Maybe? I know that word. Yeah. Yes. Most vulva. people have heard of that one if you know they've vulva. heard of... I know that word, vulva. <laughs> You're not the second half, though. Vulvodynia? I feel like I've heard that before. I've heard it before, too. Yeah. Okay, so you know what vulva means. Yeah, vulva means part of the vagina. <laughs> It's, or it's, it's the it's the the entirety of, the, in, oh, of like a woman's, the entirety of the vagina. It's like the woman's like genital regions. Okay, sure. Okay. And dynia means pain, so it oh, literally means painful pain. vulva, which is super crappy. Painful <laughs> vulva. And so provoked vestibulodynia is a subset of that. So like vestibulodynia means like painful vestibule. And this is going to get really into it really fast. But if let's you, do let's it. Let's go for it. Um, Put your diving cap on. If you imagine. <clears throat> the entrance of a vagina like a clock the vestibule is like the number six and it's it means like the entrance to the vagina so vestibulodynia is pain specifically right there oh the vestibule is actually like a an anatomical term for the part of the vagina yep and that's the the entryway itself or the bottom of the entryway it's like Like the the bottom bottom, of the hole uh it's like the entrance it's like the entryway. So if it's like a door, it's like the doormat. Okay, okay that, sure, that, gotcha. I was going oh, right. yeah. <laughs> to use yeah. that exact yeah. analogy. Doormat. Well, yeah. you, guys are on, you guys are on insane. <laughs> painful doormat is what I have. Pain. <laughs> painful doormat. And, and, and provoke Welcome. Painful. Watch your step. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, so, so then what's the difference between the provoked part and unprovoked? So provoked is... Uh, Pretty common. Um, provoked is like pain upon insertion or penetration or any kind of like irritation. So it's an obvious irritation of that area. That sounds provoked. Like if there's insertion, that sounds like provoked. And then I would guess like the unprovoked is like it's just hurting for no reason. Oh, sorry. I think I mixed it up. So yeah, provoked means like. Oh, sweet. I am okay. a doctor, you know. Yeah. 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 Honorary. And here's <laughs> your doctorate. You can degree. talk about this for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So provoked is like it hurts upon being touched. And then unprovoked is like, we just have no idea what's causing pain. the pain. Oh, okay. It's right. just painful. Uh, right. Anytime yeah. or all the time. Anytime, all the time, any scale of pain from one to 10. Okay. So how does this, this is, um, how does this differ from vaginismus? Because we've talked about vaginismus yeah. on Sick Boy. We've talked about it on Turn Me On. And, and I know the vaginismus is like painful of, mm-hmm. the insertion is painful because it's all like, like mm-hmm. very tight and closed up, but do you not have the, the like. I think it's the inside, the like the musculature on the inside. Vaginismus was was like a, a very intense. Well, it is, but it's everything. It's I mean, it's it's as it's as it's as sur- su- surface level as as right off the right off the surface, but uh, and as deep as can go. But it's it's all just like lo- It's a vault, right? Yeah. Like sealed mm-hmm. shut, mm-hmm. and it's paint like the idea of. The, or not the idea, the action of penetration is very painful because mm-hmm. of that. Whereas I'm assuming... I have both. Okay. Um, they're, they do commonly go hand, hand in hand. hand. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, so you're right. So vaginismus <clears throat> is like a muscular condition. So mm-hmm. it's the muscles being too tight in the pelvic floor. S- and so not, like a small door frame. 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, with a painful doormat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whereas um, a doorframe that I'm is never going to look at a vagina the same way again. <laughs> a doorframe that is contracted. Yeah. yeah. Very yes. tightly. Yes. <laughs> uh, so vestibulodynia is a nerve condition. So it's either an oversensitivity or mm. an overgrowth of nerve endings in that very specific area. Interesting. Because um, that area is like, if I'm, I hope <laughs> I'm right about this, uh, but it's like external skin. It's not that like membrane stuff like on the right, inside yeah. right so it it has the same sort of nerve endings as like any other part of the exterior of your body so it's just an overgrowth of those so nerve it's supposed to be just like you know just the same way as you'd feel if you t- if you touched your shoulder or your leg but exactly it has just this, so is it is it because i'm i'm assuming that there are that there is a a, a lot of of like sensitivity and um what's the word i'm looking for just like the like nerve, like many nerve endings, like maybe a higher volume of nerve mm-hmm. endings. Which like mo- hypersensitivity? Which, which, or? No, just yeah. just in the just in like the genital region in general, just because it's 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 a place of of pleasure. So there's mm-hmm. more nerve endings there for sensitivity. Yeah, and it's like kind of grown out too far, too much towards like the towards the where it's supposed to be, just like touching any part of your body that's normal. Okay, yeah, right, exactly. What does PVD stand for again? I, I looked it up, and, but it's, there's a different PVD that came up. Provoked vestibulodynia. Okay, definitely not peripheral vascular disease. Nope. Okay, so provoked <laughs> vestibulodynia. Yeah. Okay. And um, the way that it's, because um, what you were saying, like it should, this re- area should really feel like you're touching any other part of your body. The way that they diagnose it is with this thing called the Q-tip test. Um, so they take. Oh God, this sounds. This already makes <laughs> highly my, scientific. My <laughs> vestibulodynia. <laughs> so when you're in a pelvic exam, they take like a slightly damp Q-tip, and um, since you've got like this kind of like drape over you, you can't really see where they're touching. But first, they say, "Okay, I'm touching like the inside of your thigh with this Q-tip," mm-hmm. and you literally can't feel it. And then they slowly start going like closer and closer to the sensitive area. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have provoked vestibulodynia, it still shouldn't feel like anything. Like once they're done, you're like, oh, I don't think you even touched anything. Right. But when you have provoked vestibulodynia, it that tiny little Q-tip can spur like three or four days of pain. Whoa! Just like Holy three or four days shit. of pain. That's what happened to me when I got the Q-tip <clears throat> test. Okay, wait. So, so what, let's, how, let's go all let's go all the way back. Like, what when is the first time that you like started to realize that something was up? Uh, I guess when I first started trying to use tampons, like it was pretty uncomfortable and it it was kind of like the vaginismus, like nothing is going to go up there. And then similarly, like starting into sex, um, just it felt pretty impossible. But I didn't know that I had this until like last year when all of a sudden the pain was just nonstop, like 24 seven. Up until then, it had just been pain with like insertion or penetration, which is pretty textbook, but I'd never gotten a diagnosis before and how old are you now i'm 28 okay so that's like pretty long so, time yeah. to go like, without yeah, knowing like, that you what, had it for like 14 years at least 14 15, 15, 15 16 years yeah like i always <clears throat> knew that something wasn't right but i didn't know that it was a condition i thought it was just like oh i'm too tight crazy mm-hmm. um but yeah like july of last year uh, i was out camping and i got a uti which is like for women like pretty common mm-hmm. um went to the hospital got some antibiotics and three to five days later when it should have cleared up it mostly did but this like exterior burning feeling just never went away so i went on like three more rounds of antibiotics um and still like this horrible pain like 24 hours a day and that's when they started figuring out like okay it's not a uti we're not really sure what's going on here but that was the start of the 
constant pain that I had for the next nine months. Right. (laughs) Oh, my God. So the provoked vestibulodynia had turned into unprovoked vestibulodynia, but nobody figured that out. Like, I had to figure that out myself over just trial and error, like being in and out of the medical system for that whole period, like almost a whole year, Um, and just like throwing different theories at doctors and... And was that all was that all brought on by this Q-tip test or that came later? That came later. Oh, okay. So this all started with the UTI. <clears throat> okay, um, right, yeah. And I think it was just my body's way of being like, we're done. <laughs> we're done with you like causing pain down here. We are shutting down and having a temper tantrum for the next nine months. Until you figure this out. We're just going to yep. kick and scream until you go to the doctor and they tell you what's up. Was it yep. a long process for you to actually figure it out before you got that diagnosis? Yeah, it was like nine full months. Okay of going to various specialists and being diagnosed with a ton of different conditions and tons of different treatments were tried. And um, finally, like I went to work with a massage therapist who actually like has the same condition and she recognized the symptoms in me. No shit. And she started working up into my upper thigh where she found some like scar tissue Mm -hmm. that was interacting weirdly with the muscles of my pelvic floor and causing these muscles to like pull on that vestibule area that was already overgrown with nerves. Whoa. And it was just causing this like unprovoked pain all the time. So once we started working through that, it was fine. But it took so, so long to get to that point. So did so by working through that, like how did how did it go from unprovoked to provoked? You know, like what was the sorry, it was the other way around. To, yeah, from right? provoked to unprovoked. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay, wait. So do you do you you currently have provoked? I currently have provoked. And, but, but it started as... It started as provoked. Oh, it started as provoked. My bad. I was probably born with provoked vestibulodynia, <clears throat> mm-hmm. gotcha, gotcha, as gotcha. a lot of women that have it are. Yeah. Um, again, just like this overgrowth of nerve endings or just over time, like it just becomes a more and more sensitive area through yeah. if you have like trauma That's, or mm-hmm. UTIs or yeast infections or whatever, like it, the area just becomes like super sensitized. Uh, and then it turned into, for Unpro- me... Unprovoked. Unprovoked which talking to gynecologists was not something that they had heard of commonly, but they said it was in the realm of possibility. Right. How did you go from unprovoked back to provoked? I did a lot of work with my massage therapist mm-hmm. and really worked into this scar tissue that was building up in my upper thigh. Mm-hmm. And we slowly just started breaking it up and breaking so it up. So it was the way that the scar tissue was interacting with that that was causing the the consistent mm-hmm. pain that wasn't being brought on by like a touch or anything. It was just yeah. there all the time. Just there all the time. What was the scar tissue from? <clears throat> um, kind of a number of things. Like I had an injury from hiking in the snow like five or six years ago. I like slipped into a hole because um, like the snow like went away from underneath my foot and I just slipped into this hole and kind of jarred my hip on this side. Um, sorry, on my right side. And from there I like went to physio and she warned me don't like overwork the other side to compensate. Right. But I guess I did. And through working out the one injury, I just made everything in my pelvic floor like really tight Tight. and tense. And then uh, right before this um, unprovoked period started, I had started doing CrossFit and I'd like never done lifting at all before. So I think I was lifting really improperly and putting a lot of pressure on those muscles that are already like way too mm-hmm. tight and too weak. Interesting. We were talking about this uh, yesterday or the day before with Brian. Mm-hmm. A couple of days ago, I, yeah. said, I, said, I said something along the lines of like CrossFit for cro- CrossFit being like a really great activity for people who are like high performance for a mm-hmm. long time. Yeah. And, and Brian was like, Jerry, why aren't you coming to CrossFit? And I was like, I just, I just don't like, I'm not into the, like the, the lifting stuff. I don't, I don't like the Olympic style lifting mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. because it's just not, I'm not, I'm not trained in it and I just don't feel like 
Yeah, because you didn't do the introductory course. <laughs> no, it's not, it has nothing to do with the introductory course. You I did the introductory skip. course, and I still got yeah. hurt. It has nothing to do with that. It's it's because it's it's a it, it there's it's not like a like as an athlete you you slowly work your way towards like building the technique to do the things that you need to do to become elite. And your ego mm-hmm. is in the yeah. way because you're trying. Your to... Your ego's in the way at, at the gym mm-hmm. at CrossFit. Your ego gets in the way. That's I honestly do think so. But oh, like your yeah, ego gets definitely because it, there is this like <clears throat> you know everyone's there. It's like rah rah rah. We're here to like we're cheering you on. Go go go. But there's also this like competitive aspect to it, you know. And it's like and there's I it's like there's it's less of a I don't know like I'm, I mean I'm coming from from a very like yoga background and. I, I see those kinds of things and I'm like, it just makes my fucking spine hurt or like makes me doing intense lifting, doing intense lifting is something that, that, that is, that is properly ingrained in somebody when they do it from a young age mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they do it and they, and they, and they know it over time with weights that, and then, so then like you get someone like, like, like you or, 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 or me or any number of, of, of people that were like, you know, kind of like elite athletes for a while and then you get them in a gym, and it's like, okay, well, I know, I know this, I've done this. Versus getting somebody, somebody who's never lifted before, and, and to I'm go not in. saying that that person can't go no, in no, and learn not, those properly. Absolutely, I not. just think it's less likely. Less likely, exactly. And I'm not, I'm not like shitting on CrossFit. I mean, no. it, it's, I think it's, it can do amazing things. But mm-hmm. also, I'm, I recognize that a lot of people can go to CrossFit and get really fucked up. The biggest role yeah. of the coach is to, is to ensure that there's proper use of technique. And mm-hmm. like it's, it, which I think is, which is, it's paramount, which, which is really great in a class of like four or five. But when you have like a class of 16, uh, I disagree with that because, thing. because I think at, at Ironstone in particular, where, which, which is my experience with CrossFit, it, most of the 16 people are there all the time. So like there might only be actually four yeah. or five, like the coaches know the people who come regularly and yeah. know how to do it. Like, I don't need somebody to to stand beside me and watch me do deadlifts and to tell me if I'm doing yeah. it right, yeah. you know? Yeah. But somebody who isn't there all the time definitely does. Now, to, to be fair, like, somebody was watching me at all times, mm-hmm. and I think that they did a really good job of trying to slowly introduce me into the course. I definitely did feel the pressure of, like, everyone's lifting so much and I can barely lift the bar. Yeah. Uh, so I was pushing myself <clears throat> more than I should have. But I think this was, like, straw that broke the camel's back. Right. This right, area right, right. was already ready to go. Mm-hmm. And right. this is just pushed over the edge. Can, yeah. you, can you imagine if your if your physio, like after that injury, was like, and now just so just be aware that um, you know scar tissue could develop and it could give you uh, chronic vagina pain. <laughs> I would have taken yeah. that yeah. way more seriously. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, what? What the fuck? fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I was just worried about having like one thigh bigger than the other from like overly <laughs> yeah. exercising it. <laughs> I want to take it I want to take it back so so you know you started to notice this uh this this provoked pain mm-hmm. when uh you you referred to like using a tampon and that mm-hmm. was like kind of like oh this is fucking uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um how did you how did you relate to sex from that age like coming into your own sexual being? Um did, was this like something that you that kind of pushed you away from the, even the idea of like yeah. remotely having anyone put their hands on you or yeah. or or anything else. On yeah, you. it was the worst yeah. um, because I had gone to doctors like when I when I first started being sexually active. I went to doctors and was like, I don't think this should hurt this much, and they were all like, Oh, it's fine. Just have a glass of wine. Just relax. Like it's supposed to hurt the first couple times. That's so fucking crazy. Have a glass of wine. I know. And like, relax. It's, yeah, it's, oh my God. it's pretty bad. And I was told that by a couple people. So at a certain point, you just think. 
well, it's got to be something that I'm doing wrong. So, uh, yeah, it, it did make me avoid sex when, for a long time. When when they say, like, have a glass of wine, I'm assuming that you're probably around, like, drinking age at this point yeah. then, too. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but then what was, like, earlier on when, I guess, like, people are starting to be sexually active. Have an active, orange juice. <laughs> around, <laughs> around, around, like, 16 years have old, maybe. a warm maybe. glass like, of milk. What were, what were the conversations like with your, like, friends? We didn't really talk about it. Um, yeah, so yeah. I was pretty like late bloomer because of this pain. Like I already knew that it, like nothing really felt good. Mm-hmm. So I didn't actually lose my virginity until I was like 20. Um, what was that like? What was that like that process like? I was with my partner for about a year and it, it was something that he was older than me. So he like wanted to make sure that I was like really, really ready mm-hmm. before we went there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, finally I was like, we just have to do this because this is getting ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like we're both adults. Like I'm fully an adult now. This is kind of crazy. Uh, and the f- first couple of times it was just so horrible. Mm-hmm. Like it just felt like nothing is, nothing is going through. <laughs> the first couple of times, but did it, did it change? It actually probably ended our relationship. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Because it just was impossible. And I think we maybe only did it like three or four times. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I was going to say like, I mean, I, <clears throat> I can't imagine how hard that would be on, on relationships, especially yeah. like trying to form a relationship like yeah. early days. You know, it's one thing if you've had this like developed relationship over years and then, and then the, the, this issue be you know, suddenly comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. and then it's like, all right, well, can we work towards this? Yeah. But to have that right off the bat, that's a, that's a, that's a mountain to climb. Yeah. It was a lot of pressure on me to mm-hmm. kind of just like grin and bear it, honestly, which I hate that I ever did. Uh, but there was a long period of my life where I didn't really know that this was a medical condition and yeah. I just thought I was being like overly sensitive Yeah, right. or doing something which wrong. Which technically you technically were. Technically I was. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, in but, a very, was, but in a very different way than what you were different. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it I really avoided it and it it broke up most of my relationships. Yeah. Like either my inability to talk about it and you know, the other person would just be like, What's wrong? Like why don't why doesn't this happen mm-hmm. more often? Why aren't we more connected? Or it would just be like, Yeah, this sucks. I don't wanna yeah. keep doing this. Well, it also speaks to like you know, when we talked about vaginismus, I mean oh, that was that wasn't that long ago. I know it was couple, a couple, few couple, months ago. Couple months ago. Yeah. And um in the same way, it was like very. It was something that was known from you know. If you if you at, in hindsight and you look back, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I know that there was an issue for a really long time. I just yeah. didn't. I just didn't say that it was a a medical thing. I just mm-hmm. thought, oh, this is me. This is just I'm just a little bit more sensitive. Or maybe if you don't talk about it, then you just assume this is what it's like for everybody. Yeah. And then you go see a doctor, and the doctor says, and it's fine. It's normal. Mm-hmm. Have a glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Um, and. And there's, it speaks to the, the, just the challenge as a woman to, to bring that up and have somebody and, and have it be like heard, like re, like yeah. actually heard and taken as a way of going, okay, well maybe it is, maybe it is just you. Maybe you are just, just need to relax mm-hmm. or maybe there's an issue or that, it, or that it has to take as long as it does mm-hmm. for you to feel like you can bring it to a doctor or bring it to a friend or bring it to yeah. your parent. Um, was that ever a conversation? Like, did, you, did you ever have a conversation with like your mom or your dad and go like, there's something up that I just, I'm not really sure. And No, I don't think I ever did. I don't think that as a younger woman, I felt empowered enough to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it was just something <clears throat> that like wasn't really talked about. And my mom and I have a very open relationship and we do talk about a lot of very personal things, but 
you know, actually, when I think about it, I think I did tell her and she was like, oh, yeah, like it can hurt sometimes. Mm -hmm. But just like as a society, like I feel like we do kind of normalize that for women. Like, yeah, Yeah. it can hurt sometimes. It's Mm -hmm. not always going to feel good. And that's what I thought like my whole experience was just those times that it's not feeling great. It's it's so funny, like how we how we relate to different parts of her body having an issue and 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 how we handle it mm-hmm. you know it's like if you had <clears throat> if you had the equivalent of pvd on your on your knee mm-hmm. you know it's like anything touches your knee it's it is gonna fucking hurt mm-hmm. and it's gonna hurt for a little while and yeah. it's like it's painful you're you're gonna go this is fucking dumb i'm gonna get, go get this checked out i'm gonna go talk to some doctors i'm gonna talk to some physiotherapists i'm gonna be like Look at my knee. Look mm-hmm. at it. Inspect it. Touch it. Do the things you need to do to figure this out. But if it's your dick or if it's your vagina or if it's like like your butthole, like those three spots. And why? That's so crazy. We are like, oh, I don't know. I think it's I, this like weird. I think it's this this um, <clears throat> this like subtle and not, not like I don't think it's the same now. And I feel like it was changing when we because we're all of the same age. And I think it was changing when we were growing up in school, like a, like starting to change a little bit. But the sort of like demonization of that of that area, like this is a problem area. Mm-hmm. Like this is where this is where you make mistakes. And this is where mm-hmm. life can really throw you for a loop if you don't. Well, uh, I don't, I don't think that times have changed. <clears throat> I think it's still very much like that. I think I know? think you're I think you're right. I think it's I think it's going there's it's the slowly it's the, in in the right direction, but it, it's it's like that, and then it it causes you to go well when something comes up, like it hurts there, whether it's wh- whatever it is, and versus my knee, you're just going oh well, um I'll just I'll just wait this one out, I'll see how this plays out, or um. Yeah, I'm gonna keep this to myself because I, I, I don't. I, I, it's yeah. not right to talk about this. I think it come. I think part of it comes from, and the, uh, <clears throat> I think that well, it would be really hard for us to nail down where this where it comes from. But I, <laughs> I do think that part of it is like <clears throat> this this idea of of like having to cover ourselves up. You know, like how sexuality or nudity is like is is not is not okay. Mm-hmm. But that's right? why so, I'm, I'm wondering if it's a Western <clears throat> thing. Exactly, because think about let's think about like some countries where it's not that crazy to walk down the street and see, I don't know, like a, an ad it, that's like full frontal nudity, and it's it's like not a not a huge deal. Like like I feel like European countries are a little bit l- l- more loose with like nudity. Well, there's and like it, mixed gender like sauna house like places and stuff. Yeah, where you can go in, yeah, exactly. In Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like and so, but and that's not weird. Yeah. It's not weird at all. Whereas here, it's like the fuck are you nudity is about? definitely that's, different in other parts of the world than it is. Sure, in and North so America. like, don't do you think? Do you feel like if we didn't have this sort of weird, absolutely, like like almost I don't know. I, I mean, why would shame it, might not be the right word, but like no, this I think weird shame is like the right. Yeah, especially for I this. So. When I went to a lot of doctors, like it was almost embarrassing based on the diagnoses that they were coming up with. Like instantly, the first thing was like, it's probably an STD. And so, of course, as a patient, you feel super shamed because it has nothing to do with STDs. Mm -hmm. And I've been (laughs) tested so many times because all the doctors are like, well, it must be this. Um, Or they say it's something about pregnancy. Uh, Actually, sexual assault comes up quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I I had a gynecologist tell me that I was sexually assaulted, which is not true. That's weird. And and so as a patient, you're just like, this is a very traumatic experience coming into a doctor's office looking for help. And they're throwing all these very 
maybe yeah. shameful isn't the right word, but like very uncomfortable things at you and you don't want to go into that experience again. So you just start avoiding doctors for mm-hmm. this region. Yeah. Right. What was the, yeah. uh, fucking how did they, how did they come around to that? How did they come around to saying that you were sexually assaulted? I had, you saying that you were, I had a pelvic exam. Um, my doctor, my GP referred me to a gynecologist to get a pelvic exam for this reason. Cause mm-hmm. I did come to him and say like, Things are more uncomfortable than they should be. So he was like, great, I'm going to send you to a gynecologist. And I went to this gynecologist and had the most uncomfortable pap smear of my life. Like I was physically like raising off the table trying to get away from this doctor. Oh, and, and that can happen. There's a score for that. Yeah. It's the vaginismus rating. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was like one through seven, I think. And yeah. seven was like you kick the doctor in the throat or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was crying. Yeah. Just full on crying during the exam. And that is a scale, and mm-hmm. gynecologists know about that scale. And mm. the fact that he didn't say, oh, this is vaginismus, because, you know, in my training, I have come across this scale. Mm-hmm. His first thing was like, oh, this is probably to do with a past trauma. So the right. reason why right. they, and we've heard this from past guests before, but the that reason why they crazy. say that is because your inability to relax and the, and the tension that you exhibit there mm-hmm. can be a sign of, like, psychological trauma. So you're tightening yeah, up like and, you're PTSD, not, and you're not able to yeah, relax. Like a right. trigger. Yeah. But interesting that that's the first. It was well, the first thing yeah. and the only thing. And, he and didn't offer anything else. Yeah, Certainly. Right. And, and that's what's, that's bananas. That's, that's and the weird This thing. goes back yeah. to the same thing, uh, the, the conversation that we had about um, the, uh, the cancer diagnosis or the, uh, the um, SMA diagnosis. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I, I, right. That's a doctor saying something out loud that could be something that would be possible mm-hmm. but has no evidence to support that. You yeah. know, like that's that's not something that you say until you have the evidence to be sure of what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's also something that you say in kind of a, a quiet and supportive manner. It's not something that you say with your nurse sitting right in the room just as yeah. kind of like, Accusingly. oh, I figured out what this is. <laughs> you might want to ask it as a question instead exact- of stating it. Yeah. And yeah. so it just doesn't make you feel comfortable like talking to the medical system about this problem anymore yeah. Yeah. for fear that that's going to come up again. <laughs> I wonder if doctors say stuff like that. Like, you know, like when you're in a in a, in a a movie and like there's a, you know that there's a twist ending coming up and you're like trying to call it and you say it out loud. I wonder if doctors ever feel that way. <laughs> like, say it out loud in the movie? Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> I think I got it, everyone. <laughs> but you know, like you like lean over. I'll be sitting by like one of you guys in the theater, lean over and be Bruce like, Willis is dead. He's been dead the whole time. <laughs> Spoiler alert, dude. Do you think doctors do that though? They're like, I just want to call it and be right because like as a doctor, that's gonna stroke my <laughs> I, ego to I know, know that I got it right. Maybe I mean, maybe he thought that that was his way of like giving me a comfortable space to talk about. About this thing that never yeah, happened. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe. I mean, maybe. And he's know. just socially inept. Yeah. Yes. And, and the, the other thing, too, the other thing too, is that like uh, oftentimes, if someone's in that in that space, um, and they they really do have a hard time talking about it, and they don't feel like they can talk about it, you know, someone who's really offering up that space and going, mm-hmm. "No, you have gone through this, and it's okay to talk about it." Not the right call, but no. also maybe, maybe he maybe his heart was in the right place. I mean, you sure, know, hopefully, 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 or he was just a well. A, you know what? He's here right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> um, I want to know how how you know when the the vo- your vocabulary started. You, you introduced PVD mm-hmm. into into the the mix, and you now you now have this like diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how did how did you get that diagnosis? How, how, who is the person who said we figured it out? Right. Was it was it just the massage therapist, and then you kind of 
piece it together yourself? Or did you have no. a gynecologist uh, tell you? It wasn't actually a gynecologist. <clears throat> okay. So when this all first started, because it seemed to have started with a UTI, I went through the medical system through <clears throat> the urologist entryway. So I was sent to a specialist and they assumed that it was something called interstitial cystitis, right. which is, I don't know if you guys have... We've heard of it yeah. a number of times. Yeah. So it's actually supposed to be like the th- second or third most painful condition known to medicine. Holy f- Whoa. Whoa, fuck. really? What? So if you guys can do an episode on that, like it's... Well, yeah. We've had a couple people apply, which it, is why we know yeah. the word. Yeah. It so, was the thing, uh, Kyla, Kyla, I've probably said this a couple of times, Kyla thought that she had it. Ugh. She had a UTI that, um, that like just persisted mm-hmm. and uh, it was and she had to go through a couple or two or three rounds of antibiotics at least yeah and and then they and then it was like is this interstitial cystitis and is this going to do this forever forever so it's yeah. like a UTI Oof. forever yeah. Oof. Whoa. and that's uh, developed like that just comes on it just happens do like, we know what the other two most shitty I don't actually I've heard abdominal tears um are one of the most painful things that can happen dude abdominal issues are super shitty I can attest to that like I mean like abdominal pain I've never felt pain more intense than abdominal pain because like and I and I feel like it's probably in the same vein as like when they're healthy you don't recognize how much they how much you use them Mm -hmm. oh my god yeah Mm -hmm. I went for a run the other day that and I went and I never run and it was way too intense of a run and my calves are fucked Taylor is walking around (laughs) the city right now like he has a a full size pylon shoved up his ass yeah because his legs are so but only for the first three minutes after I stand up after sitting down for a while <laughs> yeah. and uh and i'm like i'm literally going <laughs> i didn't know how much my calves did for me until now yeah because that sucks <laughs> every step i take sucks <clears throat> okay so they so they think it, it so they, they think it's this interstitial, it could be cystitis. interstitial cystitis because this exterior <laughs> burning that i was experiencing is a symptom Right, but they thought it was coming from the urethra. So it, it was. Sorry, I, I keep I keep cutting <laughs> no, you off, okay. but it, it's a it's a it's a burning pain. It's between a burning pain and a stabbing pain. Okay. So people with PVD, women with PVD, say that it's either like a burning, a stabbing, like acid being poured on them, or small knives cutting them. Over oh and God! Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've had that feeling on my back in Brazil. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> right when you have PVD on your back, <laughs> Taylor has a gigantic vagina on his back. Oh, and, you uh, never know. Yeah. It's a super Guys, rare medical yeah. condition. I quickly googled the list of the most painful things that humans can experience, and okay. it's a top twenty-five list. And I'm scrolling through to the top, but it's like one of those things where you have to click the next page to see oh, the next one. Oh. So far, I've you're passed. giving them those clicks. So far, I've passed in the last uh, in the top twenty-five bear attacks, and uh, <laughs> number twelve, a notable one, is crucifixion. <laughs> oh my god, that yeah, would but suck. these aren't these. Crucifixion would suck. I, I I hope I never come down with a crucifixion. <laughs> crucifixion is yeah. These aren't medical. These aren't medical diagnoses. Uh, it looks like he's been crucified. Yeah, they are though, um, um, because uh, what, what number, got? number eight's kidney stones. Seven is sec- second degree burns. Six Ooh. is Durkheim's disease. Okay, so I don't know what third, that is, but, th- if but, third but don't tell burns, me. If third degree burn isn't higher up the list, then that would be weird. Third yeah. degree might be so burnt you don't even feel yeah, it. Yeah, isn't that when the nerves go? Yeah. Whoa. Uh, penile fracture is actually number three, uh, God, according that, to this one. That uh, makes my that oh, makes my make toes curl. But then number one is uh, is fracture. number one is emotional pain. Aww. This is an interesting uh, list. A twist. <laughs> this is so sweet. Who wrote this? Uh, probably BuzzFeed. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it sounds, <laughs> like, it sounds like a BuzzFeed article. Um, okay, so stabbing pain, burning pain, mm-hmm. uh, sharp, sharp between burning and sharp. 
Yeah. Okay, so that's what you were showing. Mm-hmm. And you go in and they think inter- interstitial cystitis. Yeah. Because it's such a fucking mouthful. I know. All they right, both are. I won't cut you off anymore. <laughs> I just wanted to like clarify the pain because mm-hmm. I was thinking about that earlier. So they think it could be this. Yeah. So they think that it could be this. So I go to a urologist and it is one of the symptoms. So he wants me to get a cystoscopy to double check. Because if you have interstitial cystitis, chances are you have these like lesion, lesions, 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 yeah, lesions. on your bladder mm-hmm. or like a redness. It's kind of like a, <clears throat> like a burn. Um, so they go in, they do the cystoscopy. What's and a cystoscopy? It's like a colonoscopy, but for your urinary tract. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And they they, (sighs) they put people out for colonoscopies. They don't put you out for a cystoscopy. What? You have no anesthetic. So they're sticking a camera up your urethra? Men and women? Do they do it? Men and women. And and they they keep you awake for both? And they keep you awake. And they don't just like put it up you. They have to break through like the the Mm. valve of your bladder. And you feel that. Oh, you feel that for days oh. after. <laughs> it was the absolute worst. I wonder what that video looks like. You know, like I wonder. I didn't. Probably they, like a sewer like, no, inspection. That, that, that is the most <laughs> fucked up episode of Magic School Bus imaginable. Oh, oh God. Dude, that <laughs> is <laughs> What are we doing today? Well, we're so visceral. Busting through the bladder wall. <laughs> it's so visceral. Like when I think about a colonoscopy, I go, okay, I'm sure that there's some discomfort to that, but mm-hmm. whatever. Same. But like. And I don't know, I, and I don't know the difference between how, how uh, uh, and I'm not going to make a blanket statement, but I'll say, like, how a woman typically feels versus a man typically feels, whereas, like, you know, for the most part, unless you're into some, like, niche shit, guys aren't, guys aren't putting anything up that, up that, no, I'm not even going to call it a I don't hole. think women are like either. A, no. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't think this is a thing. Right, because, it, oh, right, because it's not, um, Sound it, sounding it's a to- is, uh, because it's a, di- <laughs> so are you talking about sounding? <laughs> What? Yeah, what? Sounding. Yeah, that's a thing. I know it is. That's those, I, apparently, that's, it feels fucking great. That's why I, I said. That's why I said some niche <laughs> shit. Yeah. Well, for those who don't know, sounding is a, is a, a sexual thing that you can do where you basically stick um, something in your in your pee hole. Yeah. And you try to make it bigger. Oh no. Yeah. No. Right. No, isn't, yeah. It, isn't it kind of like a stretching activity? No. 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 No, dude. No. Don't. Don't spread that. That's no. false information. That's false information. Not, not not that's not fake true. news. That's fake news. Um. But okay. So. But the because the on a for a woman a, a the the urinary tract is not it's like a separate it's a separate entrance yeah and it's much smaller yeah yeah okay yeah. right I forgot that piece of information yeah. <laughs> I, think that, I think that they okay, say we only have like, one hole <laughs> they have a couple yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's a few yeah, yeah. There we but go. they're very close together so that's yeah. why it was so hard to distinguish where the pain is because it's literally like two millimeters <laughs> apart right so when they're mm. like well is it your urethra that's hurting or is it your vagina that's hurting I'm like I don't know it just hurts <laughs> yeah because the the um the vestibule is right between the two right. They're pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like just underneath the urethra and like. It's like urethra, like vaginal opening, vestibule. Oh, it's on the bottom. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My bad. Doormat. I was looking at, I was looking at the, I was trying to, when we were talking about it earlier, I was like, I got to see this. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh, it looked like it was on the top, but you probably know better than me. Um, (laughs) That's such a great system. Why don't we have multiple, multiple exits? Well, for various you things. have as many as you need, though. Yeah, we don't need it. <laughs> what we need need it for? We I also, know, man, Neil deGrasse Tyson's like, you know, the human body like is such a poor design. Like, why do we put the why do we put the uh, the landfill right by the right by the playground? You know, 
<laughs> That's, did Neil deGrasse Tyson say that? Yeah, he did. She said exactly that. He was like, on, on what, ep- on what he's, episode? He's, of- he's talking about. He's talking, He had said something about. Um, he's Cosmos. like, you know what I hate? He's like, you know what my argument with my argument with um, with religion is when they're like, yeah, God made us in this perfect image, and he's like, then why the fuck did we put the garbage the garbage bin right next to the fucking playground? And he's like, it's a terrible design. It's terrible engineering. Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. So we're, we're, we're chugging through. We're almost there. <laughs> cystoscopy. You get the cystoscopy. And everything looks fine. Everything looks totally fine in the cystoscopy. There's no lesions. There's no abrasions. Nothing's wrong with my bladder or urethra. He doesn't see anything, but he diagnosed me with IC anyway. Oh, whoa. And that just put this huge roadblock onto everything else because all my other doctors are like looking at this scan and going, I don't think it's IC, but the specialist says that it is. Right. So they're working off that info info, and mm-hmm. it's hard for them to draw any other conclusions because of that. Yeah, yeah. that's a huge hurdle. So, it was. So what's the <clears throat> what's the driving factor to get over that hump to to the correct diagnosis? Eventually I ended up requesting to see a different urologist. And I actually went to go see the ISE specialist in Vancouver, uh, Dr. Teichman or Teichman at um, St. Paul's Hospital. And mm-hmm. he runs an IC clinic there. That's all that he treats is interstitial cystitis. Whoa. And I went and saw him. He looked at me for five minutes. And was a, like, you don't got this shit. Yeah, he was yeah. like, this, this is not your urinary tract. This is a different mm-hmm. organ. But okay, so- Second opinions are so vital. Like, yeah. I, and, and we, I mean, we've learned this through the show. <clears throat> yeah. Like people who- who have any sort of gut instinct of like, I don't know if that's correct. Mm -hmm. Or they hear someone say, I don't know if that's correct. And they go and get a second opinion. It's like nine times out of 10. Yeah. The gut instinct was right. Or like whatever the, whatever that thing was that someone said, I don't really know. Like it's so it, you should never take, you know, what is told to you at face value Unless it's very fucking cut and dry, very very. Clear. If there was lesions and, and things on my bladder, yeah, it would have been a different. I story. probably wouldn't have gotten a second yeah. opinion. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that second opinions in pop culture, like in film and stuff, are more or less portrayed, kind of like someone sending back food? Yeah, yeah, they are. Like, it's yeah, like, right. Like it's right. like I want to. I think I'm, I think I'd like a second opinion, and the doctor just kind of like I'm going to spit on your cystitis <laughs> if you do. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like ugh. Like you want a second opinion. It, it does. It's very reminiscent of going like, my steak is undercooked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Please, please take it back. And it's this whole like, oh, that's so annoying. And I wonder how much of like that pop culture, like, kind of plays into how we think about patient advocacy and being able, and mm. standing up for like what you think, like when you think a doctor says something that you're going, oh, that's man, it just doesn't feel, it just mm-hmm. doesn't sit with me the right way. How it plays into how. You know, other people think about getting a second opinion or, or, or exploring other options or you yourself feeling confident in, in mm-hmm. exploring another opinion. It's interesting. I just like that popped into my head of going, man, I feel like that's always so such a silly. Uh, it's always portrayed. So, so uh, which is funny because silly because it's, it's basically like it's basically like saying 
yeah, I just want to be sure. I just yeah. want to be sure if I'm if this is right. And people are like, you want to be sure? Right. You want to be yeah. sure about this this like, gigantic piece of news that I gave you that will change <laughs> your life forever? No, you don't get to be sure. Yeah. You don't yeah. believe me? <laughs> it was more that I just wanted more information yeah. on IC because I had I like accepted this diagnosis, even though a lot of people were saying this isn't what you have. Um, so I went back to that original urologist uh, three months after my cystoscopy. And just had a bunch of questions. I was like, great, this is what I have. I want to figure out how to live pain-free with this. And every question, he was just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. As if he'd never actually treated somebody with IC before. Oh, wow. So I went back to my GP and I was like, I just want to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about. Right. You weren't going for a second opinion. You were just going for more information. More information. Right. But like hoping, secretly hoping that I didn't have this. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so she, so your your GP sends you to the the, the specialist specialist. The guy. Yeah. The guy who's, who sees it all the time. Mm-hmm. And when he says, no, you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Does he have an answer for you of what you might have? He doesn't. He did say, I think it's another organ. But as like a urologist, as that kind of speciality, he can't then say, well, I'm pretty sure it's... I I feel like he had an idea because he did a pelvic exam. Right. And he did what I came to know is kind of like a version of the Q-tip test where he was like feeling around and like, is there pain here, pain here? But I feel like he's not allowed to really say that. Right, that's no. not his specialty. That's not his specialty. Right. right. Yeah. So, so did, did he, he refer you yeah. to someone who does specialize in PVD? Nope. No. Wait. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, did, so did no one tell you PVD? Nope. Uh, so eventually I ended up going to pelvic floor physiotherapy. Right. Um, <clears throat> which is like an internal physiotherapy. And she was the one that said, I think you have PVD. But at that time, I thought that was just like an add-on to interstitial cystitis because right. they kind of go hand in hand as well. Like there's a bunch of chronic pain conditions, especially with women, that you tend to get as like a lump. Like here's your gift basket of right. chronic yeah. pain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's like endometriosis and um, bulbodynia and IC. Like for some reason, they're all together. Mm-hmm. Right. So at the time when I did get the Q-tip test, I just thought like, oh, great. One more thing that I have to deal with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when did va- and when did when did vaginismus come into the picture? Was this something that kind of came to light at the same time as your you end up getting this diagnosis of PVD, or is this something yeah. you already knew you had a little bit earlier? I'd never heard of it before. Um, so once once I'd seen Doctor Teichman and realized that I didn't have IC, then I just started searching the internet for something that I might have. And that's how I found this massage therapist uh, who was really specialized. And she was one of the first people to mention, like, I think that you have vulvodynia. And from there, that's when everything started to speed up, going back to my GP. And then she gave me all the other kind of coinciding conditions, like the vaginismus. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these things, like once she said it, it all made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. It was like at the end of like a mystery movie. Right. When you finally figure out what's going oh, on, you're yeah. like, everything else makes sense of now. Of course, in hindsight. <laughs> in hindsight, it's all 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So it it all kind of came as one big like lump of, yeah, no, this is actually what you have. And it makes perfect sense. When was this? This was in like March of last year. Oh, so so like, recent. Like Pretty recent. Yeah. I'm still in like my first year of pain-freeness. You're, so you're in pain-free. You, Pretty well. You're in that territory. Pretty well. What yeah. now? Pain free, even with like with penetration mm-hmm. and really. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So my current partner and I like we have a lot of strategies just to like make sure that I'm comfortable, and he's been really great since the beginning, even before I knew that this is what I had. We've been dating for almost three years, so mm. way before this started, um, or like the unprovoked started, and so I never really experienced that very recently, which mm-hmm. is also why like 
PVD and vulvodynia seemed like weird diagnoses at first because I didn't have the key symptom, which is like pain with penetration. Mm. I thought it's something that I just like grown out of mm-hmm. or been more comfortable with someone new. This might be a bit personal, but that's my job. Um, how did you, when there when there was pain, before you got the PVD diagnosis, how did you and your partner relate to sex? And like, how did you guys handle sex knowing that it was like almost guaranteed going to be this like painful experience for you if, if you had penetrative sex? Uh, I think that we just did like what every couple should do is that we just like talked everything through and checked in like is this comfortable for mm-hmm. you is this okay and if something wasn't you just like ease off mm-hmm. just real communication which I guess is something that I hadn't experienced before just being younger and like mm-hmm. maybe not as self-confident like not feeling like I could say hey let's stop this hurts mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and, and also like being young and and being thinking young. like there's only one way to have sex exactly yeah put the p in the v and that's it yeah in and out over and over and over. Well, and it's also it's also and then that's sex. It's also again going back to like the pop the pop pop culture um, depiction of what sex is mm-hmm. is like is mm-hmm. like and and then and then contrasting against against the other end of the spectrum, which is like what you get in school, which is like tends to be this not realistic at all in terms of what what sex is, and then also on the other end of the spectrum, pop culture, which is also not real not mm-hmm. realistic most of the time, and then. And then it's like, well, the reality is somewhere in the middle where there's like, it can be passionate and fun and impromptu, but it also, there needs to be communication and you need to mm-hmm. speak and mm-hmm. like, there's a relationship going on there. You, like, it's such a weird, uh, so that's kind of getting in the way of, of how you, of how you grow up and relate to, mm-hmm. to communicating about sex with your partners, especially as a young person. Cause you're so, you're so influenced by, by what you're seeing in, in, in pop culture mm-hmm. versus when you get older, you can, you can sift through it a bit better. And your brain plays a big part into PVD and into vulvodynia. Um, when you just experience the same pain over and over again with the same action, like if somebody like poked you in the eye, I would be like, "Ow!" And then the next time someone goes towards your eye, you'd probably just instantly feel that pain already even before mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. So when you have PVD, you start to expect that it's going to hurt. That causes everything to tense up, causes you to become very anxious. And so with my current partner, just working through this at the very beginning of our relationship it sort of like disassociated pain pain and sex for me and it just stopped becoming a thing mm. like it really just stopped hurting altogether <laughs> because the assumption that it was going to hurt wasn't there right, right. and that was something that um, I learned quite a lot about at this vulvodynia clinic that I went to at uh, VGH um, it's like a specialized clinic that just talks about vulvodynia and PVD oh interesting and uh, they talk a lot about like disassociating pain from the action and how your brain can really overcome any level of pain and interrupt that signal of your body like mm. seeing something that normally would hurt approaching it and making your body go ah oh, it's okay don't worry about it it's, not it's like hurt. getting a tattoo honestly yeah. like like i i've i i can relate to that every time i've gotten a tattoo i've go, i'm going into it going i know this is going to hurt mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to hurt as much as much as i you can make it a lot as, worse i can make it a lot worse yeah you know, like every tattoo is different. Every t- every place that you get one, it feels different. <clears throat> but it's if very you're going sweet, though, as if well, if it's like uh, it's like a risk. It's like a reward. Yeah, afterwards. Yeah, but like like so, I I just got a, a tattoo on my sternum, and it was like it was definitely the most painful tattoo experience I've ever had. Um, it ju- it just sucked. It's it just a vulnerable, overall, it's a vulnerable it, spot. It sucked for sure. Well. Yeah, definitely Probably more so for you. Definitely for sure. 
but in that experience of going, well, I've done this before. I know that this is, I know that this is supposed to hurt and I can do something about it here. I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to get up and leave because that would fucking suck, <laughs> you know, to have like half a, a half a, jo- <laughs> half a job done on my, on my chest. So I'm going to stay and I'm going to change the way that I relate to the pain that's coming in, the way that I relate to the pain that my, my, my brain is processing. <laughs> and that completely changed the way that oh, yeah. <clears throat> that experience went for me, right? It, 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 yes, it still hurt, but it didn't hurt in this way that made me not be able to tolerate it. Whereas if I continued with that mindset of like, Oh fuck! Oh fuck! Oh fuck! This is horrible! This is horrible! Like get yeah. me out of here! I probably would have been like, "Yo, I'm done. I'm good. Let's mm-hmm. get the fuck out of mm-hmm. here." You know. And that was my whole first experience, like first long experience with with sex, was like, "Nope, get me out of here. Yeah. Not doing this." Exactly. Yeah. And then once you do change that mindset, like everything just becomes more comfortable, and yeah. you can feel the change in your body. Yeah, yeah, it's visceral. It is. Yeah. How did you um, How did you get connected <laughs> with the Volvidinia Clinic? Did you find them like by just searching online, or like going through your massage therapist? Or? Uh, I heard about it through my massage therapist and through my GP and I was put on the waiting list and was finally able to get in. I think it was like not that long ago I started. Uh, and it's like six sessions that you go through with a head gynecologist and then she hooks you up with some pelvic floor physiotherapists. You also do some, um, some like psychological treatment. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not the right word for it. Uh, CBD, CBD. C- oh, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes, that's C-T. the one. CBT. CBD is what uh, <laughs> cannabinoid. I've been hearing that so much lately. That's what's in my head. It's a hot uh, topic. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, cognitive behavioral therapy. And the whole point of the clinic is to treat all these women that are experiencing the same symptoms as I am, going to doctors over and over again and not getting a result, finally ending up at this particular gynecologist. And she's telling the same women the same story over and over all day for like, the 20 minutes that you get per patient. Mm-hmm. And she finally said, this is ridiculous. Let's just do them as a big group. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I can say the information once and get them all treated at the same time. How common is, is this? Cause I feel, I feel like it's far more common than we know that we, and we, I mean us, the three of us and yeah. probably people at large. It's 18% of women. Holy Whoa. fuck. Whoa. It's, yeah. It's actually like the same. Wow. Given that it's only one gender, it's the same rate as diabetes. That's crazy. Whoa. I know. And see, see, that shit, I mean, what? just as, yeah. just as, just as, as, just as, as, uh, people in general approaching sex, knowing that there is close to 20% of women that are going through this mm-hmm. should completely change the way that people at large view sex. Yeah. Big time. Totally. Yeah. But because it's that you know, very private area, no one really talks about it. No one talks yeah. about it. There's not money going into exactly. research. If like, you don't talk about it, no one's going to put money behind no, it's, it. I, you know, it's, so when I looked up PVD, um, another PVD came up. Okay, sure, yeah. there's two different CFs. I'm sure if you put CF, cystic fibrosis will come up over chronic fatigue. Mm-hmm. But when I put in the actual, you know, the full written out mm-hmm. uh, provoked uh, vestibule dinia, mm-hmm. did I hit it? Almost. Almost. Vestibulodynia. Vestibulodynia. Yeah. All right. I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> uh, when I wrote that whole thing out, even even hitting search on that on Google, usually if you put in like, let's say diabetes, or you put in um, uh, 
any kind of cancer you put in anything that like we all know and talk about uh, on the regular Mayo Clinic you're, yeah you're gonna get a Mayo Clinic thing you're gonna get this little picture <clears throat> with this like little sort Web of like MD. Wi- WebMD like Wikipedia breakdown of like oh this is this is common symptoms too, too long don't want to read it here's a little breakdown of everything mm-hmm. that you're actually looking for right now mm-hmm. and then here's a bunch of links that you can go to <clears throat> when you when you look up uh, provoked vestibulodynia uh, it does not have that. Nope. And it has some like very like specialized websites that have nothing to fucking do with like WebMD or, mm-hmm. or <clears throat> you know, these common places where you go to find all the information. Why, why the fuck? If it's 20, if it's almost 20% of people that have it. Yeah. Why the hell is it not this more like common thing that people are searching and have these resources to go to to find the information because we just don't put funding into big time. We don't put funding or we historically we haven't put funding into looking at how female genitalia Mm -hmm. work. Yeah, it's so true. It's which is mind blowing. When I watched that explained episode about the uh, the female uh, orgasm, I was fucking shocked. I was so shocked at like how little science knows about how vaginas work only because men in general just didn't want to fucking deal with it. It was like coming up. It was like, nah, there's no room. There's no room to do research here. We don't need to do research here. Like that's not, that's not what's important. And we figured, we figured this out. We know how all this works. I'm like our junk. We got that down pat, but we don't need to focus on women's genital health. And so now we're at, you know, 2018 and there's like this lasting effect. It mm-hmm. like carries over all the way to today where yeah. we still are like, man, it's kind of hard to get the funding for, you know, mm-hmm. for these sorts of things, which is fucking bananas. It's bananas when there's so many people that are now coming out going, oh, I have that too. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dealing with that too. And mm-hmm. even for men and <clears throat> men and women and just in terms of going, oh, well, let's not talk about it because it's in that region. Yeah. And like for, so um, I watch a show called Good Morning Football m- most days of the week, and uh, it's the only thing. How I- the fuck are you going to link this in? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, the only, it's, the only, it's the only thing I watch that has <coughs> that has commercials with it, and mm. I don't I, I don't mute my commercials like Jeremy does. I, I most certainly do. So, and there's this one there's this one ED commercial that comes on all the time, and it's like you know it's it's a it's a it's like a, a 2018 tech like you know to your door. Uh, get it online type type company. I think they actually do ads for it on your mom's house. But the ads well. for it, the 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 language around the ad is like tired of of having embarrassing conversations with your doctor. Like, don't speak to anybody about it ever again. You yeah, can get right. this online right, right, and never right. tell anybody about it ever. You can com- completely keep it to yourself. You never ever have to out yourself as the monster that you are yeah. for having ED. Yeah. And you can just take those pills in total secrecy and no one will ever know and you'll never have to talk about and it ever. Definitely shove those emotions yeah. down, <laughs> deep down inside. And Bottle was, that up. Yeah, and I was hearing that commercial. I was going, God <laughs> damn, this is so hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's but it's only because it's there just because it's in that geographical location and yeah. we fucking we've we've created this whole story about what it means to to have issues in that region yo but in contrast to that there's no commercials about women's reproductive and that's what i'm products. saying it's like at least we no. at least we've you know at least the guys have that i know right, right. whereas the women are, they they're when the fuck will you ever see a pvd commercial yeah i don't think ever never because it's very similar to erectile dysfunction <clears throat> 
Because it's, it's just like, hey, you, yeah, it's very it's your hard version for you to that. have sex. Oh, nearly yeah. impossible for you yeah. to have sex because of this condition. Yeah, yeah. Va- like vaginismus is like the is that. It's like yeah. it's the it's a complete inverse of eating, mm-hmm. right? It's like you have the inability to <sighs> relax and let the things flow, right? We'll never ever. I, I mean, I don't want to say never ever, but like we might. It's we maybe. might. We, we might. will. We dude. Maybe it, someday. Eventually. Maybe someday. But it's like it. The, the the thought of seeing a commercial for vaginismus is so beyond. But people have to talk right about it. Like, we have to talk about it first. That's it. And people have to start raising their <clears> hand <throat> and saying, yeah, I have this too. And yeah. it affects my life. And I, I think that's the other misconception is that it only affects sex. Right. This for nine months affected my entire life. I couldn't yeah. sit. I couldn't wear jeans. I couldn't, like, use any, like, harsh soaps or chemicals. Like, I couldn't stand without being in horrible pain. Mm. And it's just based on where it is that nobody kind of cared. Yeah. Like if that was like chronic migraines, like 24 hours a day, people would have been giving me CT scans and like we would have done something about it Mm -hmm. real fast. Right. Right. But it was the same level of pain just in an area that we don't really want to talk about. That's fascinating. That's fucking crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, so what's, what's like, what's PVD for you today? You said you're, you're, you're generally pain free. Doing pretty good. Yeah. Like working with this massage therapist, at least I've figured out the exact reason that I have it. Like, PVD isn't only caused by muscle tension. It can be caused by a ton of different things and aggravated by a ton of different things. This is just my trigger. So working with that, I have a lot of stretches that I do. Um, I have to be conscious about how I sit, which is why I'm like sitting like super weird right now. Um, Because if you sit right on your vagina, it hurts kind of thing? uh, It doesn't hurt, but just like the way that women typically sit in that like cross-legged position, Mm -hmm. it creates a lot of tension on your pelvic floor. Uh, It creates a lot of tightness in your muscles. And sitting like that for long periods just will definitely trigger the pain. Do you do yoga? I do yoga, yeah. Does that help? It does. It helps a lot. When I first um, developed this, like, chronic pain condition, I was doing yoga, like, once a day, and it really helped just to keep those muscles, like, loose and keep Mm -hmm. keep that all flowing. And Mm -hmm. you understand them and you can, like, yoga yoga gives you a, allows you to become more in tune with Mm -hmm. those muscles. And because there's a lot of, there's a lot of muscles that you that you'll the muscles that you're more likely to use really well are the ones that you can see mm-hmm. the ones that when you flex it you can see it move mm-hmm. there are a lot of muscles in your body that you don't see move yeah because they're just layers deep and they're very very hard to control and yoga is really amazing for helping yeah. you understand how to use the muscles that you can't see that play that change large, your life in large mm-hmm. part a yeah. way bigger role than a lot of the muscles you can see um, when they flex. So yeah. it's a really, really awesome practice for that. Yeah. And if you have PVD or any kind of like uh, pelvic floor condition, it's really helpful to know how to release those muscles. Mm-hmm. I actually heard a study where um, doctors were like scaring people while they were hooked up to electrodes to try to see like what parts of their body reacted first. Huh. And in almost every person, it was the pelvic floor that contracted first. Yeah. When you get scared, you get the yeah. muscles. I, I, think I, just had a revel- I think I just had a little bit of a revelation <clears throat> just now. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. So... I've been um, when I, I I teach a yoga teacher training program and and in that a part of that is about, is talking about how yoga has you know kind of developed into what it is today in the modern world and how that you know more or less the 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 timeline of how it looks now is about a hundred ish years old um, and everything else beyond that is kind of like whatever you we don't really it's it's helpful but like really what it is now is about 100 years old and then the big question is like well how did, where did it go from only men in india doing it to it being largely a female practice in in across the world and i just had a light bulb moment where i went i think 
the capacity to control your pelvic floor, it plays a huge role in why it became such a popular practice with women mm. because of the way that pelvic floors relate to pregnancy. Yeah. Because your, your pelvic floor Super plays a, a different thought. a different role for a woman than it does for a man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think of childbearing. How yeah. many and how many times have you heard I've heard this <clears throat> countless times, specifically about yoga and Pilates, which are two very like very closely related things yeah, in terms of like using plane. your body. Um, about people going, I started like a yoga practice or I started going to Pilates. My sex is amazing. Completely changed the way I relate to sex. You know, it's like public floor control. Yeah, it, that that is a really interesting thought. And I th- and I've huh. never had I've never heard anybody say that before in my entire life. And I just I, patent it, call it something, <laughs> yeah. patent it, absolutely, and uh, and sue, sue anybody the fuck who fucking <laughs> uses it. The trademark yeah, name, right. I swear to God. Um, right. So when <laughs> it comes to pelvic floor, <laughs> when it comes to um, thinking about like uh, the possibility of 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 giving birth um, yeah. in the future, does that does this, um, does your condition like play into your future plans? It does. It's definitely a concern that I have um, because I'm worried about further trauma to that area. Mm. So I already know that it was majorly affected by trauma to muscles in the surrounding area. Like I can't even imagine what will happen to my body and pain levels if if my pelvic floor has to contract and expand and mm. move in all those ways, possibly tear um, right. in the process of childbirth. Like. That's pretty scary. Because yeah. um, if it's at the bottom, that's like where you're more susceptible. It, it's to, it's to where that the tearing, right? the child is coming out. Yeah. yeah, and it's where it would tear as well. Um, there's also like some really scary research about some surgeries that were done. It's probably not recently. I feel like it was like the 70s, where after women gave birth and they were they tore and were restitched. There's this thing called the husband stitch, which is so terrifying <laughs> when you have PVD, and it's essentially like the doctor like giving a little, like, gift to the husband by sewing you a bit too tight. Oh, God. What the fuck? Oh, my God. God. Like, that's, like, a medical term for it. It's, like, the husband's ditch. Definitely change the name and also don't a gift do that to yeah. the husband that sounds Ever? like that sounds like some outdated ass it, shit for sure. it, can, it caused pvd in so many women <laughs> oh at that time God. i was i i you know you you were sick you started to go into this and i was and part of me was going man but how cool would it be though if like by having a baby and just like really just like opening that stuff up it was kind of like the could be the cure well actually where it just kind of goes ah Oh, God, I got all that tension out. Now I'm like, got all this room to... In a way, there is something behind that. Because when you are pregnant, you have all those hormones going through your body that are meant to loosen up your muscles so that when you do give birth, like, it's more possible. So my massage therapist, who has a similar condition, she was in pain up until... She was in pain up until she gave birth. And then after she gave birth, with all of those hormones still flowing through her body, she didn't experience pain for like 18 months. Wow. And then, so, and then those hormones kind of settled down. And then they and settled, then and now it's kind of coming back, back normal, and right. she's having to work through it again. But there is that. Mm, there is, like, that loosening hormone. Yeah, what's that? Mm. What is it called? It's a relaxacin? Oh, no. Um, no idea. Uh, Robaxacet? Robaxacet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it, it, it actually has, a uh, like, a, a very, like, on-the-nose name. It's, like, relaxacin. Mm. Relaxin. Yeah, or something I think like it is that. I think it like might that. be relaxin, actually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's also what makes pregnant women super flexible. Mm-hmm. They just become ultra flexible. Yeah, because uh, it's the muscles relaxing. That's right. In your whole yeah. body. The whole thing is yeah. like to allow them to just open up all that space to mm-hmm. get the baby out. It's, yeah, uh, I, it's called relaxin. Relaxin. Is it really? yeah, it's a yeah. hormone yeah. secreted by the right. placenta that causes the cervix to dilate 
yeah. and prepares the uterus for the action of oxytocin during labor. Yeah, hmm. and it affects the entire body. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, out of all of this, then, what would you say is the the biggest thing that your PVD has taken away from you? It took away a lot of self respect. Um, in my early years, uh, I started to relate my self-worth in relationships to sex because mm. relationships kept ending because I couldn't have sex. Mm-hmm. So like one plus one is two. I just assumed like this is the only worth that I have to a partner. Mm. And it made me even more try to like push past the pain and put myself in more and more uncomfortable positions and just like lose that respect for my body, like have that disassociation from my body like not listen to it mm-hmm. at all, just try to push it down and, and become separate. And I, I really regret like a lot of the early encounters that I, that I had with partners. And I regret the way that I talked about myself. I regret like telling them to like ignore the fact that I look like I'm probably going to cry because I'm in that much pain. I wish that I had had, um, if I didn't have this condition, I feel like I would have been a more confident woman earlier on. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, like I, f- I feel more confident in saying like, that hurts. We're going to stop for a sec mm-hmm. or, or in, even just in the medical system, like just way more confident being like my pain is worth treating. Yeah. <laughs> right. Even yeah. Depending where it is. That's such an important statement. Like my pain is worth treating. I, th- yeah. I think that mm-hmm. that's like one of the most profound things that I've heard somebody say, like, like that realization and being confident in saying that it's so important. It's something mm-hmm. that people tend to neglect because they don't feel like they have the confidence or that they're, that people are creating a space for them to be allowed to say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? <clears throat> uh, going through this process, like I kind of realized what was happening was my body was trying to send me these signals for years and years. Like, Hey, something's wrong down here. Like, can you fix it? Can you address it? And it was saying it like so politely with just these little bits of pain during mm. you know, using tampons or sex or, or anything like that. And I was just ignoring it. And finally, my body is like, no, no, you really need to pay attention to this and just started like screaming at me mm. for nine straight months. So it's made me way more in tune with the signals that my body is trying to send. It makes me way more um, in tune with like if something is affecting me emotionally, if I'm having emotional pain or mental pain or physical pain, like I'm going to start addressing it sooner mm. because I know the outcome if you don't. If you suppress mental pain or emotional pain or physical pain, eventually it's going to come out. Like we, well, like um, we said earlier, emotional pain is the most painful pain of all yeah. the pain. <laughs> um, a, a, friend, a friend of mine who's a, who's a yoga teacher, in this just from what you just said reminded me so so greatly of of this like of this little line, and she used it in relation to you know like knowing your body when you're practicing yoga. She said, "If you if you learn to listen to your body whisper, you won't have to listen to it scream." Yeah. Mm. And, so uh, and who that said that? Estelle. Oh God! I yeah. believe it was Estelle. I'm almost certain. And uh, and that just reminded me of that so much because your body is like mm-hmm. your body's constantly in, in you know in in many ways about many different things for everybody is trying mm-hmm. to tell you is trying to give you these little subtle signals all the time. Yeah. And if you can learn to listen to them, then then you can jump ahead of the time where then your body goes, "Hey, fucker, yeah. <laughs> yeah. take care of this." Yeah. Well, when this all first started, they obviously offered me painkillers. was like the first thing that, that doctors typically offer you mm-hmm. when you're in pain. Yeah. And I took them a bit, but after a while, I just refused to take them because I wanted to know what was causing the pain, yeah, what was spurring it. it. Yeah. yeah, and I was, my mom would always say like, why aren't you taking your painkillers? I don't want to see you in pain like this. But I would say, but then I won't know if it gets better. 
then yeah. I won't know like what improves it. Yeah. So I have to listen to those little whispers that my mm-hmm. body is sending me and be so in tune with it. And like, that's how I'm going to fix really this. Smart. Yeah. 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 Painful, but smart. But yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and overall worth it in the end. Dude, pain you know? is trying totally. to teach you pain is pain is pain's there to tell you something. I mean, there's some pain where it's like, deal with that. You know, for sure. Yeah, like, of course. Deal with that but there's, with, but there's, there's, a, there's a learning in pain. There is, there is. Yeah, there absolutely is. And you have to acknowledge it no matter what it is. That's like, right. Even if, you know, it's not a big deal and you can still like get up and, and walk away from the pain, like you still have to say that it's there. Yeah. Especially mental and emotional pain. Mm-hmm. You still have to like acknowledge those feelings. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michelle, for coming in. This Thanks. is uh, this is really great. Thank you. This and great. Um, And thank you all so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week, as we always are, with another episode. And in the meantime, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button because it'll make us love you even more than we already do, which is so much. And if you'd like to support us further, you can go to patreon.com slash sickboy. And like Jeremy alluded to, all the people that we love are t- typically tend to be in that category um, of, of every, every, everybody, everybody that whether you do or you don't, you're in there. Yeah, we love you. We all. love you. All of you. We love you. There's just a, a little higher, higher what? Higher place, higher. I don't know if it's a. I don't want to say podium. No, nah, dude. Is podium. I, a, you got to stop this shit. Maybe not podium. No, we love them all. We love all you. This, you, this, this is, is going to be too much. If you it, donate, it's too much. If you donate to the, no, nope. to the pod. No, if you cast. don't, if you don't, you donate or you do. We love all of you. And if you do donate, then Taylor probably likes you a little more, and he's an asshole. And Jeremy does too, and Brian does too. I'll never admit it. Well, you know what? I do have to say, I saw a couple names come through that people donating. You know, we get email notifications when people donate on Patreon. And when I saw those names come through, I thought that person really appreciates. Yeah, <laughs> what we're doing, and we also really appreciate guys. That. God damn it, Brian! Just give some thanks to people. Hey, will you? hey Brian, um, I knew you'd come around. So anyway, uh, the other thing is a big shout out to uh, to Larry for hooking us up with this space here, uh, where we're recording in Vancouver. This is a beautiful studio, and Larry also <laughs> makes a podcast, and his podcast is called "When Life Gives You Parkinson." So definitely check that podcast out. Um, the other thing is big thank you to Donovan, the CPAP Morgan. Um, you, have you guys seen um, Power Rangers lately? Uh, no. Oh, I man. actually have. Yeah, you know what? I, I think we were watching it the other night. Isn't it cool that we sound like we're in like Zordon's cave right now? Like Zordon's here. Um, we got a little, what's uh, what's our little robot friend's name? Uh, uh, man, drawing a huge blank. Yeah, me too. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for Donovan for making us sound like we're hanging out with Zordon. And uh, and thanks, take part for the theme music. Oh, um, I should say that um, a, another commercial that I've been seeing while I've been watching Good Morning Football is a CPAP cleaning machine. <laughs> no, it's not. It is, I swear to God. <laughs> Donovan, and, uh, get that shit, So, Donovan, man. if you're not cleaning that <gasps> thing, you're sucking on some bacteria, bruh. If you're not cleaning that thing, it's probably going to lead to ED, which is probably <laughs> why those two commercials are so late. Uh, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Michelle. And this is Sick Boy.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.